because of our giving hearts. Uh, we were part of different organizations that happened to have uh, come together in some areas and we started, you know, just being there for each other, listening to each other, supporting each other's initiatives, but we truly um, had a connection there. And I've really enjoyed getting to know her as a person, as a philanthropist, as a leader, as, as, you know, as a world changer, right? As, as somebody that's out there to making a difference in the world. So Rose, without much further ado, let's get right into it. Why don't we start by you just telling us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, um, where you grew up, your family, uh, you know, how big was your family? Uh, what did that look like? School, college, uh, when did you come to the US and all that great stuff? Okay, you want me to write a book? Let's <laughs> yeah, have a conversation. That's all right. I just uh, want to thank you so much, uh, Ms. Ogla, for giving me this opportunity to be at the DLC, Diaspora Legacy Conversation. We give it a shout out. This is a very good uh, center, conference, resource, anything you want to call it because it gives us an opportunity to have a communication, to have a one-on-one -on -one talk, and also to talk with friends, for example, in Facebook or wherever they're going to find this, either in YouTube or that. My name has been mentioned, Rosa Kinga. I live in Florida, born and raised in Kenya, went to school both in Nairobi and part of Kisumu, but most of it was in Nairobi. I am... Um, an educator and I am a nurse as well. I am an entrepreneur. I am an author. And I told her the list would be long, so I must be careful. I was able to come to this country about 12, 13, 14 years ago. That's how long I've been here. And uh, it was a journey. It was a journey of the unknown. And um, let me back up. Growing up, I was fortunate enough to be the eldest, so the leadership kept following me. As an older child, you're forced to take the responsibility because you have to. You don't have yes. a choice. So my siblings were looking up to me, and I, as I grew up, I was like, I'm not going to let my dad down. I'm going to let, not let my mom down, neither my siblings. So I kept wanting to succeed in life. I kept wanting to do my best in everything I did, be it school, be it you know uh, my career, which was teaching while I was back in Kenya. I was able to move it from all levels. So I am very fortunate enough to have practiced my successful life or designed for success because I believe that when you're given an opportunity, if you don't work on it, it will go. So every opportunity I did find in my life growing up, both high school, primary, and college, my aspiration was to be the best and to succeed in everything that I did. So when I came here um, 14 years ago, that was the mantra. I made sure that I worked as hard as I could in everything I did. So that's the brief of me. Okay. So when you came to the United States, um, did you go 
to uh, did you go back to education did you go back to teaching or um uh, what career did you start with and uh, what do you do right now for a living professionally thank you for the good question i did a little bit of education here and um just on a light touch my kids didn't like it they're like mommy i don't think you'll be able to do it you know you're too strict and i'm like i'll do my part and, and and i'll see how it goes however an opportunity came that started my giving heart why a neighbor of mine i call her my mom she's the one who welcomed me to this country the dad was very sick so when the dad was very sick she asked me to help her out so i had no idea what i know is i was a mother and i can help as a mom so the dad was going through his last stages of hospice. So I did what I did. She helped me out, advising me on what to do. And as we were doing that, the nursing thing came up. And I had went to school for the nursing program and was able to do my schooling. So that's how it transitioned by the act of doing something for somebody. So naturally, it flew, and I went to school for nursing as, and, and uh, was able to uh, graduate and get my nursing profession. So that's how I transitioned. Okay, so what do you do professionally right now, and where are you located? Very well, thank you. Right now, I am doing my nurse profession. I work as an independent contractor in many of the nursing uh, aspects that I do. So I provide health solutions with different agencies um, based in Florida, Tampa, and that's where I do my staff. I am also um, an entrepreneur in many ways. I am able to have had an opportunity to author two books, one of them known as Unmasking Bullying and also known as uh, Budget Fitting. And because of this um, idea that molded my action was because of what I see around me uh, on unmasking bullying for example my own children were bullied when they came here I myself was bullied even at work and I said no something needs to be done and many can relate especially at work when you think you are doing all the best you can and um, you you know what it, it, it means when somebody puts you down because of and that really hit me up and I said, you know, if I don't help myself, I'm going to help at least one person. If it is a student, if it is a young person, or if it's a college person, or a mom, or a parent. So my book on unmasking bullying allows every individual from childhood to adult, from parents to teachers, to come together and start creating solutions and not assume that everything is all right. When we let our school kids go to school, do we ever know what they have gone through every day of their lives? We miss it most of the time. And when we realize that it has happened, it's too late. Yes. So that's why Unmasking Bullying was born. That look for those things, those aspects that lead to this kind of depression, stress, everything that goes with ideas of bullying. Because if you catch it early, you're able to help. So I authored a book that is doing very well. Uh, it's on Amazon, and I am proud that I did that. 
on the budget booming what came about when I was before, before you go to budget fitting why unmasking bullying why not just bullying why not just um, you know providing solutions for bullying why the, the word and the title unmasking bullying very good question why unmasking bullying as I was narrating my story born in Kenya we have a culture that is different in this country we tend to look down not because we are shy but in respect people take that as being shy and they act on it like you don't know what you're doing you must not be smart enough and all that good stuff so it brushes you the wrong way hence you have to unmask their way of talking to you if you don't know the words the sentences used the phrases used then you will not know that you're being bullied. Wow. So that's where the term unmasking bullying came. That look at those wordings, look at those expressions, look at those gestures, look at the way they are, you know, the students are being grouped, the clicks. Even here on Facebook, for, for instance, most of the bullying comes because of the click issues. You know, most of them, I'm not saying all of them. So you have to unmask their intentions you know okay. before you hear that person shouting and being bullied did she or he bully somebody before then possibly so unmask the trend so that you get a solution in other words you have to be woke you have to make sure that you know how things are going before you just say it's bullying there is a beginner there is a type there is a environment that causes this so you have to identify those areas that are causing the bullying to happen hence unmasking bullying was born I, I like that a lot because um you know obviously transitioning from kenya to, to the united states um you know there were some parts of especially during you know your transition with your career and you know as as i got into leadership um quite early in the the first few years i, I was in the united states i I didn't identify some of them. I always gave people, unfortunately, I gave a lot of people the benefit of the doubt that they were just coming from a good place. And I remember being told things like, um, hey, you know, if you want to, to, you know, to grow, to promote and stuff like that, you really got to work on when you speak to somebody, look at them directly in the eye. And when, when you grow up in Africa, looking at somebody directly in the eye is actually uh, considered, you know, back then when growing up as rude, especially adults or anybody that has uh, some sort of an authoritative um, position over you. So we grew up when we were being spoken to by our parents, our elders, um, looking down, but it wasn't that we couldn't maintain eye contact, but it was in our, in our culture, it's showing respect. So um, when we came, giving people grace is it took me a while to 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 kind of start saying hey wait a minute okay i, I can take feedback but and i can take the the criticism constructive criticism for me to continue to grow but there's a very thin line between somebody talking down to you or somebody uh, grouping you um, and having unconscious bias to to understanding who you are, and I think it's a two-way street for me, right? I've always 
once I, I was able, when, once I realized that was happening, then I asked myself, well, what role will I play? Will I play in this situation? And I decided it's the role of educating and sharing and helping everybody else that doesn't understand it to understand where their background comes from. So I think it's, I think it's a great point that you're bringing out, especially as adults. I think as children, it's a little bit harder because I, I, I truly believe that every child, no matter what race, um, are really coming to this world just willing to love everybody and they don't see color, they don't see prejudice. It's the environments that they grow up in that sometimes uh, we, we unconsciously teach our children how to see themselves and how to see others by the words we speak in the house, by how we um, make comments about different things happening, whether it's in school or in the community, how we react to if they come home to us and speak about, you know, this and this and this happen at school. And if we don't come from curiosity and just ask questions to, to get more information, we can jump into conclusion, we can vocalize that conclusion, and then we start teaching our children how to react and have a response to things happening in life. So I've learned as you know, raising three children to really be careful with that because sometimes what they're saying really doesn't mean a lot or sometimes it's, it's serious and we need to listen, so thank you. So tell us about your second book and what inspired you to write that book. Awesome. My second book is Living in America, okay. whereby you get a paycheck and you pay everything and you're like, what's going on? I need to work on my savings. Mm -hmm. So Budget Feeding is a book that tells us more of how we should be able to save we should be able to identify what kind of insurance to buy. Mm -hmm. We should be able to know, you know, what kind of items to go for, when to buy your stuff. I'm just having a round figure of it. So, so budget feeding was more brought to book or brought to face uh, from the fact that I was doing my nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the women back home that I was working with, my nonprofit is known as I Hope, which stands for International Health Operation Patient Education and Empowerment. I was like, you know, yes, many of the women know how to do their business, but they keep running down their monies. And myself too, I had difficulty putting my monies together. And I said, wait a minute, something is, it ain't working here. And a few friends of mine who have been working on financial literacy were more inspiration on me writing this book because there was a way that you were able to realize that, yes, your money is not small. Mm -hmm. It's just the way you're working with it. There's no money that is small unless you're over budgeting. So work within your means. Don't follow the Johns. Because many of us follow the Jones and forget that, yes, my $1,000 can be worked around to fit in my needs as at that time. I do not have to go beyond that. So a budget fitting is a good conversation book that is entailed or is meant to start a conversation with any business enterprise, with any women group that I work with that are doing small businesses, so that they do realize that this money that I have is not little as such. It is the way I work it out mm -hmm. to build my growing business. Mm -hmm. The way I work in my home. Many a times I used to ask myself, as I was writing the book actually, our parents didn't have that much. 
-hmm. But they kept going on. What were they doing? <laughs> they knew that they had to save for a rainy day. Do we do that? Mm -hmm. So the book is telling us that, yes, that money seems so little to you, and it could be because of our economy, but do you know how to save? You can have just a little amount here, a little amount there, and by the end of the year, it will grow. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me, as I was writing the book, I joined a group of, uh, of, of, of friends who started a weekly savings. Mm -hmm. weekly savings for our whole year and it didn't matter how much you're saving the idea was to help you build that saving capacity yeah. and i marveled by the end of that one year the amount i saved i said but where has this money been going to <laughs> so this book is allowing you to look at things differently it's a financial literacy book that opens your eyes on how to budget in your house how to budget for your business, how to budget for your children's educational staff, how to budget for your insurance. You don't just go picking insurance. You have to know what kind of insurance am I going for medically or, or, or for, for, for motor vehicle. So, so, yeah. so this book is one book that I pray I get a one time and just sit with people and, and teach them. You know, being a teacher for over 15 years, I love teaching. And, and this book, I sometimes just want to say, you know, I sent you this much money, this much money should have done X, Y, Z. But you see, I can't force an individual, but I have to teach them systematically. And I have a particular woman group that listened to me and followed my instruction for the book. This is a group, I, my organization gave only 500. And they have made 100,000 Kenya shillings out of it using the same system so don't tell me there's little money it is how you're budgeting that affects you hence budget fitting fit it to what you have it shall work for you absolutely uh, so i consult a lot of business owners uh from um you know small business owners to established uh, businesses to businesses that are relaunching and um you know, I, I spend a lot of time really getting to know the person because what I've come to realize is, and it took me internalizing actually, trying to figure out, you know, what have I done with any money that I've earned in the last 20 years? And uh, one of the things uh, that, you know, because I'm, and I, have, I've always, I now have a coach, right? Everybody should have a coach. No one that's successful doesn't have a coach. You need to have a coaching relationship, not just financially, but spiritually and all the other areas of your life. But uh, one thing I learned myself is um, my personal relationship with money. See, when, you know, growing up in, in, in rural Africa, you know, I really didn't have any kind of relationship with money because number one, I never had any money. I didn't grow up when there was about an overflowing cash money. So, you know, it's it's very very it's very very interesting that we bring our personal relationship and our personal perspective on money most of the time into a business and if you don't have clarity on the kind of relationship you have with money 
it spills over to your business. And a lot of times, you know, you do need extra coaching, you need extra training, you need extra consultation to truly understand what a business structure is. You know, there's a very, very simple, if you're running a business, there's a very, very um, simple formula that we teach within my organization, right? The 30, 30, 40 rule, meaning there's 30% of, of the income that comes to your business that has to be applied to the cost of doing the business, the things you need to buy, the supplies, the marketing, all that. And then the other one is, you know, that the next 30% goes to your expenses. You know, you have expenses, you have, you know, you know your, your utility bills in the, in the business. Maybe you have a staff, you have payroll, and then 40% is profit. And now once you have that 40% profit, I think it's what you're talking about. That's what right. do you do with that? So the problem is a lot of us commingle all our funds. We get a paycheck, we throw it into one account. It's just your checking account. You know, you don't necessarily have it broken down, which, you know, right now, a lot of banks have an ability for you to actually, you know, not only track, but also yeah. on a daily basis, make sure that you are assigning any expenses to the right categories, whether it's food, entertainment, you know, um, utilities or education or coaching and all that stuff. So I think there's a lot of benefit for people to truly understand how, how to run a business. And yet, especially if you are... You know, like some of us say, we migrated from different parts of the world. You know, we right. did not necessarily back then. Now it's different, right? Now a lot of the, you know, the, the younger, you know, population back back home in Africa, they are more experienced and they're more exposure. But for us, we had to learn everything when we got over here. And, and, and I like the fact that you are helping people understand that, you know, you might not have, and I believe this, you don't have money issues. You don't have money issues. You have habit issues and habit issues are the ones that end up coming into your life because whether it's your spending, whether it's how you are, you know, our shopping habits, our eating out habits, uh, our $6 Starbucks a day habit, um, it, it then becomes a money issue. But truly, if you look at it, it is a, it is a, um, a behavior issue and it's something that uh, we have to be very intentional. I'm really passionate about teaching this, especially to the um, the younger generation, um, the younger people coming up. We can um, we can actually come on in and help them understand that, so that they don't repeat the same mistakes that we made when we were growing up. So I think investing the literacy and financial literacy education to young people, we truly have an opportunity to change their lives. So. So I'm glad you did that. So apart from nursing and apart from being an author, I know you're a speaker. I know you are, you do so much more um, out here and also back in Kenya. So take us a little bit through the journey of all the other roles uh, that you play um, within not only, you know, your personal life, but also connecting the life here and the one in Kenya. And then we're going to start diving into um, how you came up with, the idea to set up your nonprofit organization. Us a little bit through the journey of all the other roles uh, that you play um, within not only you know your personal life, but also connecting the life here and the one in Kenya. And then we're going to start diving into um, how you came up with the idea to set up your nonprofit organization. You are on mute. We can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, I kind of shifted. Uh, a journey starts with one step. A journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. 
and that's my journey. And my journey in all the things I do is a journey for success because I believe if you have a focus and you have a, fa a passion, a desire to do something better than yesterday, you will definitely succeed however long it takes. So my journey has been very interesting. As I said earlier, a mother of four loving kids, I had to be a mother. I had to be a wife. I had to be a nurse. And remember, back home, I am the eldest. So I'm a leader right there. So my leadership skill developed gradually. And I also went to school for leadership aspect as well. So I molded it to make me a better person. And as you were talking earlier, you say that it's important for people to have coaches to help them be shaped in a better way. I have been fortunate enough to have business coaches that have been my mentor. I have had opportunity to have spiritual coach to help me also grow spiritually. So in my journey, what has always helped me is to put God first. So that's my goal. God is first. Everything is shaped and moves on to the right direction. Everything I do, I've always believed that God leads me to it. When I was coming to this country, a man of God came to my country. I was teaching in a high school and I even didn't know him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've gotten a green card. What do I do? And he's like, okay, call me when I go back to the U.S. and I will communicate. I meet this man for the first time. He's my mentor, by the way. He's helped me do the nonprofit. So this same person who came to do his mission and speak to the girls in a high school that I was working in, and he becomes my lead to the U.S., and I come here, I meet my mom, I call her my mom, the one I started helping the father by being a nurse. So she helped me mold this nursing or nursing nature so that I grew into it and helped me go back to school and train as a nurse. So all this came together and build up. And without the support of your family, there's nothing you can do here in the U.S. You have a backup. A family that backs you to grow and do what you have to do here. This country has a lot to offer. But if you don't put God first in your activities, you're going nowhere. Don't forget where you have come from. That's my rule. Remember who you are. Because that's what makes you authentic. That's what makes you unique, and that's what builds your success. If you change who you are, then you don't have an identity. Yeah. That becomes a problem. So your identity creates your legacy, builds onto your legacy, and it helps you grow. So as I said, having studied leadership, having the mentors that made me who I am today, enabled me to start the nonprofit as well, enabled me that the several business that I have. Okay. So tell yeah. us about the nonprofit organization. Tell us about um, what is what is the vision for the organization and 
what are some of the things that the organization have been able to do and what is the impact it's brought um, to the communities? Thank you. Um, the nonprofit that I am a founder of, and again, it's not me, I'm just a servant, a representative of, uh, has been uh, managed very well by a group of ladies, nine of them, that have been my, my, my to-go-to. I call them my soldiers, my ambassador, my everything, because without them, I have no nonprofit. And um, we have our motto, building partnership together. Because all these people, they have something they're doing. They're coming with great ideas. They're, they're also having other pro nonprofits that they are running, but they want to build this because they have bought into the vision of empowering youth and women and children in the society through education and healthcare awareness. A man who is well will do everything for their children. A youth who is developed properly will, will definitely grow their leadership skills, develop their leadership skills and bring in more and hence we have a huge group of family members who are growing each other, mentorship each other, and making sure that they are all but one thing, building partnership together for the growth. Yes. So, so, that so you formed the organization and, and tell us a little bit about some of the initiatives that you've been able, now I know the board and the leadership is based out of the United States and you have another board member in Canada. Tell us how you're able to lead the team that's on the ground in Kenya. Very good question, very good point you're bringing. Uh, this is a global world and we must appreciate the fact that we can just take a phone call and things are done. Uh, we have over 200 youth, women, men, professionals who are volunteers in Kenya, which is now our first base to start over. We work both in the US and we also work with the, uh, the Kenyan community. And we did not, or we do not specify one particular region. Kenya is a big ca uh, country and we have about eight provinces. So it every province we have individuals who are helping us so they are our volunteers we have their registrations and we are able to work with them amicably in areas that matter to us and that is education and healthcare. we have as i said different professionals who have been very helpful in 2018 we were able to do a medical mission working with the local professionals as well as a few uh, professionals that came from the US to Kenya. So we welcome that kind of working because we appreciate that they are on the ground. They know much more of what's happening. And if we have that, then we about. We cannot claim to know exactly every need in the society. And our motto for the I hope is do not give us the fish give us the fishing rod mm -hmm. so are able to work amicably and grow as at the moment 
we've been working with the youth programs, which enabled us to see over 5,000 young people just July doing aid for girl-child pregnancy crisis. Mm-hmm. This has been molded, and I have seen that from this growth, many organizations have tapped to the idea, which is marvelous. Why? Because now we are reaching out to the young people and we are telling them there is an option that you can do differently to protect yourself as a girl. There are things you can do to protect yourself as a young person. There is a lot of aspects that you can do as an individual. You can't be the big sister or the big brother and leave a legacy in your region. We are trying to tap the village where there are little resources so that we don't lose them. Having had the COVID-19 lockdown, it has created a vacuum. And this vacuum, predators have taken advantage. And taken advantage, the little girls from age 10 to 19 don't know what to do. So I hope captured this situation and did their best and involved the local officials who are willing to help us in all the regions I've mentioned. We have actually did 26 regions, as I say, from West Coast. And they brought the IHOP team on the ground together, the IHOP team in the US and Canada together, and we were only working through the phone call, the Zoom, and things were done. And we were very fortunate enough, and I must mention this, we cannot do this by the little resources that we have. But we have had very great friends who came and partnered with us. We are, uh, they're known as the Go-Givers and the KW Lady Leaders. Within one week, these amazing people made things happen. They raised funds, and we said, you know what? We're not going to let these people down. They are. We have to do work. And yeah. we're doing it and doing it with whole, our whole heart. Yeah. Because what we have planted will never be uprooted. And it's I, a legacy forever. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't want to do, I don't want to do a disservice by not really explaining the background of the initiative. Because I think um, a lot of people throughout the world and even here in the United States could really learn from the kind of um, grassroots work that took place. So to give our viewers a background on um, this initiative, when um, COVID-19 really started, you know, spreading not only here in the United States, but also when there was fear of it, um, you know, spreading into Africa and Kenya. Um, schools were shut down, so the Kenyan government um, essentially shut down the schools um, when they announced that it was for the rest of the year until uh, 2021. So um, also, you know, public places, churches, and and what the impact of that was is, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of work that has been done over the decades, especially in Africa and specifically in rural Africa to truly, truly champion the education and, and, and empowerment and training. And um, 
just support of, of young girls, the girl child, because we truly believe that when you educate the girl child, when you pour into them, there's a big opportunity and there's a track record to show that, you know, when you educate and empower um, the girl child, um, you know, they grow into women and they truly go out there in the world and, and they do a lot of work. So what happened is the, there was a void that was created because schools and churches in so many places throughout the world are safe places for young girls. I mean, we're talking about anything, it's, uh, girls between 10 years to about 17, 18 years old. And by shutting down the schools and shutting down churches and places of worship, what happened is that these girls uh, was, were, were, were at home. They were at home and basically what happened is they were accessible. They were accessible to predators. They were accessible to, to, to incest. They were accessible to rape. They were accessible to, uh, in, 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 especially in rural Africa, in, in rural Kenya, they were accessible to, um, you know, really some, some grave things. So, they, you know, we it started as an awareness around April that we started seeing it a little bit more. And then we started getting phone calls from Kenya. I know Rose and I were getting different phone calls and different awareness. I started seeing it being talked about, but not in, in such a uh, um, impactful way where they were talking about the rates of pregnancies for young girls in Kenya um, because of COVID or during COVID had just been so incredibly um, grown. And, um, you know, back, back before COVID, they were tracking about 300 girls getting pregnant daily in Kenya. And these are statistics that you can go online, you can Google them. You'll see that these are actually statistics that have been put out there by organizations and nonprofit organizations specifically that work on this, um, on this topic. And what happened is there was first places in Kenya, there were certain towns in Kenya, it was just thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean, I remember reading this article where somebody wrote that there was over 4,000 pregnant young girls because of COVID-19 and something had to be done. So what we, what we did is, you know, Rose and I had a conversation and we're, you know, we're just in panic, like, what are we going to do? You know, we as mothers, uh, we as, you know, women, we as leaders of people that migrated from Kenya, grew up in Kenya, came to the United States. We were not, we, we did not want to just not do anything. So this started a conversation and, and, and really an initiative that grew so, so big and, and, and got so many people involved. So I, I am part of a group called the Go Givers Group that lives within the Keller Williams organization. It's not a, it's not a formalized group. It's a group of women leaders that have really come together and they are part of um, a giving initiative throughout the world, both here in the United States in our own communities, but also globally. And we, Rose and I, when we spoke about that, and I looked at the work that I hope was already doing in Kenya, we realized that we can just put our resources together, we can get things done. And we, we just, it wasn't just about money, uh, because we were able to raise the Keller Williams Go Givers family were able to raise money very, very quickly. And, um, you know, being able to fund this, um, you know, initiatives. And we, we were able to partner with IHOPE and Rose and the entire team, the board, and really created a plan that was going to take 60 days through July and August, by August 20, 31st. It was to take education, training, resources, supplies um, to parts of Kenya. And we started out, I think our goal was just 17 events. We ended up in 26 regions, 5,000 girls touched. Um, then it then went viral with it. And we had a lot of friends that had access to, 
to the news stations, the radio stations, politicians, all the way to the parliaments of Kenya. And all of a sudden, there was a big outcry. And it just, it was like a domino effect. Everybody that heard the story just kept sharing it to a point where the Kenyan government actually uh, held a special parliamentary, which is almost like Congress or the House in the U.S., but a, 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 an emergency session to talk about this issue and what the government responsibility was going to be. And I'm so proud of the I Hope team because the team on the ground in Kenya is the one that did all the work. There was also a group of, of, of women um, that were you know, born and raised in Kenya in the United States and other countries that participated in going back to where the regions where they grew up and were born, and they were able to connect I Hope and the team over there on the ground. We were able to partner with a textile company out of Eldoret, Kenya called Rivertex, and they actually met us 50-50, and we were able to get masks that then uh, were being distributed, and we were able to get masks at uh, at such a large quantity to make sure all the events that I Hope was doing were safe, there was social distancing, but I think, Rose, one of the things you and I talked about the other day with the Go Givers group is it's just not just the volunteers. Uh, tell us a little bit about the impact to the community, to the leaders, to the churches, to the schools. Uh, what have you heard from your team specifically in Kenya? What are they seeing? Is How's the movement impacted um, those individuals? I am marveled. The feedback that we have gotten from the individuals, the young people, number one, it's a positive effect. Mm -hmm. They want more. I will mm -hmm. tell if there's anybody listening out there, you want to adopt a station, it's available. They just need somebody to be part of them and tell them that, you know what, I'll mentor you. I'll do it for you. So mentorship has begun. We have four groups of institutions that are led by the same women and men who took us through that are now mm -hmm. 70 young people on a weekly yeah. basis twice a week because they're yearning they want more and that is a positive effect if yeah. a child or a young person needs to learn more that's a plus mm -hmm. and the community leaders are helping they were able to bring in the security when we were doing this, and they're willing to help. They just ask, are you guys coming again? We really need <laughs> Because this is the you know? And we were very fortunate because the people on the ground, the I Hope team on the ground, which involved, mm -hmm. the, involved the therapist, the psychologist, they were able yes. to the workers. So this teamwork was able mm -hmm. to be coordinated in such a way that it facilitated the whole thing to be successful. So yeah. the, the administrators are like, when are you guys coming? We need you. Why? Because <laughs> of what they saw. The effect is very huge and positive. It is allowing people to start the, the talk. Yeah. Families are able to talk now and say, wow, I didn't know that that was not the right thing to do. Yeah. Oh, there is an option. I could have just gone this way. And I, 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 from then, this is what I got. Domestic violence mm -hmm. in those areas that we went in has gone down. If wow. there is a, a Kenyan leader who is down there, you need to call me today because we need to talk. <laughs> if I can make a phone call and make sure that things are down there, maybe I should be a president soon. 
Because you can start a grassroots movement. You know what is so amazing is, um, and, and everybody can go on the I Hope uh, page and you can tell them the full names of the page. But real quick, I, I, I keep re-watching all those videos. And there's some videos where I hear the, the, the teachers and instructors and professionals and, and spiritual leaders actually saying, uh, teaching the girls how to say affirmations. And there was one that I listened to a group where the girls was, you know, were being told, they were, you know, the, the teacher was saying, you know, say, I am beautiful. Say, I am enough. Say, I am writing my own story. Let me tell you, it was so emotional for me to see little girls that looked just like me when I was growing up in rural Kenya. Yes. Saying words like, I am going to write my own story and it's not going to be defined by somebody that's going to entice me or rape me or take advantage of my um, innocence. So um, can you tell everybody how they can, um, you know, view the pictures, view the videos, and also lastly, how they can participate, how they can whether it's volunteering because we have viewers from Kenya, but also maybe how people can donate to uh, continue because we don't want this initiative to stop right here. We still have a lot of work um, to do to continue this, um, you know, this movement that we've started. Yes. Um, thank you for that, uh, the opportunity. I just want to reiterate that I hope has a mentorship program that is inbuilt. Mm -hmm. We have teachers that are doing mentorship, even as of now. Mm -hmm. We welcome, we are a volunteer organization. Everybody is doing a volunteership from that high doctor there, that kind of professor, down to every young person who is just ready to write out the names and list down. Because I have a database of the, all the youth that were attended to. Mm -hmm. We have the website, www. I hope I H O P E E dot O R G. I'll put it down there when I'm done. Mm -hmm. There is a contact. Mm -hmm. You will have to tell us who you are, apply to be a volunteer, because we have also to know whom we are dealing with mm -hmm. to allow us be a successful organization, an open organization that meets the needs of our individual friends. Yeah. So you can apply online to be a volunteer. Whatever profession you are, we are not selecting particular professions. Everybody has who has a giving heart, this is an opportunity for you. You can give through participation, mm -hmm. being a mentor, being a teacher to these kids, being resourceful, give us some resources that we can use. We are working on Zoom currently. Are you, do you want to pay for the Zoom? You're welcome because Zoom is not cheap for us to get as many people as we can. If you want to do this, I'm just saying the basic. Yes. You're highly welcome. If you want to take a whole institution, we have, for example, a running one now, Kayole, which mm -hmm. has 75 young people both boys and girls, because we believe that if you open up everybody's eye, then they will know that it was a mistake in the first place. And whoever repeats that mistake, then they don't yes. want to. You know what I mean? So, yes. so yeah, we encourage that. We have also two that are working on in Kisumu, Nyabondo and Agoro, that are in progress. 
So if you want, we have started in small way, but we believe it will grow because Mombasa friends are working. They say, Rose, I have my two feet, I have my mouth, and I have my <laughs> eyes. They will understand I don't have money, and they will listen. Yeah. The only thing they are crying for, these kids don't have dinner, don't have breakfast, and they're meeting at 2 o'clock. They are hungry. So if there's anybody who wishes to give that provision, and it's only 50 cents, if you're in America, that will feed about two or three kids. So if you feel like you want to give a hundred, I mean a dollar, know that that dollar is feeding about five children. Wow. So there are kids out there who are willing, now that the schools are out, to learn something about themselves, professionally, career-wise, just to know who they are, and also to develop their skills as leaders. Mm -hmm. So the project is going on, Miss Ogla. Yeah. We need you guys. Don't give back. Don't give up. <laughs> the project is for you, I hope, and go givers and lady leaders. We are in for it. Thank you. We have to develop further and even create a resource where they can go and say, "Wow, this was done by us." Yes. And and one of the things, you know, I just number one, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. It was very, very important for me to be able to spend this time with you and to have you share not only your personal story and all the great things you're doing to truly impact lives um, here in the United States, but also in Kenya, but also to share about that initiative that truly, truly changed because when those 5,000 girls' lives were changed, it just wasn't the girls. It was also the community that they live in. It was the, 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 the teachers and the, and the pastors and, you know, all the women that worked really, really hard to make this happen. You know, the local politicians, you know, because we had to get permits, right, for every region to have those events. So it was a collective effort. And yet I look forward to bringing you back again to keep us updated on all the initiatives that I hope and you are working on. And, I, you know, I want you to trust and believe that you've met some great friends within our go-givers group and also the lady leaders real estate group and we just don't pass through we 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 maintain those great friendships and we have some things that we're working on right now now to continue bringing organizations like yourself as partners in the future to make sure that we continue with our vision to truly change the world one person at a time, one youth member at a time, one girl at a time, one woman at a time. And I just want to again thank the entire IHOPE team for all the work that was done to organize this. It was a massive, massive uh, um, just initiative. Um, it was, it was, it was not easy to reach all these areas of Kenya. Some of them not always accessible. Areas like Pokot in Kenya, which is truly, you know, it's, it's a desert and it's very difficult to get over there, but we're able to get girls to come through. And, you know, it, whether it was the smaller events or the larger events, um, they were filled to capacity. And I believe that we have grown some, some go-givers not in Kenya and all over the world by just this initiative. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being a great friend. I want to thank you for being a giver. I want to thank you for everything that you're working on to truly continue changing lives. And um, I look forward to continuing having conversations with you and touching base with your team to see some of the work that you're doing um, 
you know, in, here in the United States, but also in Kenya. And I hope for our viewers today, this conversation has inspired you to, I mean, when she says 50 cents, um, 50 cents, 50 US cents can feed a few children. She truly means that. Um, a dollar can go a long way in some parts of the world. So it's just not saying, we're not just saying Kenya or Africa, it could be anywhere where there is need. Take a moment and participate in any organizations locally where you live at, where you do business and truly give back by being a resource, by being an inspiration and being somebody that, or a business that be counted on to truly change lives. Because I truly believe a giving business is the most sustainable business. So Rose, any last words before we wrap up with our viewers? Absolutely. I want to, first of all, uh, make sure that I give a shout out for uh, to Rotary Club that I'm a member of. Rotary Club learned about this issue while going on uh, the campaign and they were able to sponsor. Actually, they have donated towards Safe Heaven. So why am I bringing this up? And also they do um, uh, donated uh, for the, 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 the scholarship for the youth because they realize uh, literacy is key. Literacy, we have to advocate for literacy and that is our major, major goal in I hope. Literacy, advocacy from early childhood to whatever age it is because a literate person is easy to communicate with. So they are one of our sponsors and, and partners as well and I'm so glad that now we have ladies go-givers and kw as our, our 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 partners usually what we do this in appreciation um since we are a 541c3 we have you on our website just to thank you this way able to always look back and say this group of people what <laughs> i think I'm, I'm sure you're running into a challenge about go-givers because we're so private <laughs> I never mind. <laughs> but we're working on it. We'll, we'll work on something. <laughs> you know, it is. We have the givers in our heart, and that's what counts. So they created a safe heaven. You know, it's it's just like safe heavens and go givers. You you protect that. Yes. You, you give and protect, and you are in our hearts. You're a partner in our hearts. And we just want to say we are very, very blessed to have you all. And uh, the other aspect that I want to also mention, each one of you, in Kenya we have this saying, when a visitor comes to your house, make sure you cook your fish and they eat. So I'm not able to cook that fish for you. I have a gala coming up and it is a virtual gala with I will post up there. It is not very expensive, but just seeing you around us via Zoom will be warming to our hearts. So I want to officially welcome you ladies and friends or anybody who is watching us that I do have a gala. It's called Virtual Wine Gala, presented by the Hope team on November the 14th. Seven o'clock Eastern Time. So you are highly welcome. There are raffles to be won. And I want to emphasize unmasking bullying. If you buy it, it all goes to I Hope Projects. So if you want to have that, 
Hallelujah. Go for it. Because you shall have helped me help the young people. So that's my parting words. And for those who are interested, if you allow me, I have classes that are coming on because I'm I'm a coach, mm-hmm. I'm a coach, entrepreneur. And I believe that if you educate masses and mentor a group or larger group of people, they will let them. They will also yes. help other people and grow. So if you look out there, you will mm-hmm. see what I call design for success. Remember I said my life is designed for success? Yes, it is. I have consultants that are working with me on this and they have a class coming on the 22nd of this month. So you're welcome. Okay. Don't use the link. Post those. You can post those. I know they can follow you on social media and you can post I love them. Them. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. And to our viewers, thank you. Thank you, Rose, for being here. We look forward to following your story. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We look out to um, 